Hey listeners, how's it going? It's Tyler Swanson, host of the Bipartisan Podcast. Before we start with this episode, I want to talk to you guys about the new Bipartisan Post sweepstakes. As we enter the new year and launch our store, we wanted to share some opportunities to get some merch for free um, in exchange for supporting the Bipartisan Post. So there's going to be a post on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our Facebook, um, just about the Bipartisan Post sweepstakes. So go to our page, go ahead and share that post to your uh, story to your feed um, and make sure to tag us and tag a friend in the comments of the post and you'll be entered in to win a bipartisan post sticker pack if you've seen on the website these are stickers all printed in vinyl uh, they're very high quality and usually it's about a $12 value that you're getting for free so if you go ahead and share the post um, on whatever form of social media it is to your feed or to your story and tag friends in the comments you'll be entered to win this sticker pack and you can go ahead and rep by parson post uh in any way you so choose because you could do anything with the sticker thank you and enjoy the rest of this episode lost in the whirlwind of harvard academia this is the bipartisan podcast Hello, and welcome to a new episode of the Bipartisan Podcast. I am your host, Tyler Swanson. I'm Luke Webster. I'm Nathan Bethloff. And I'm Will Shrefferman. I'm glad that we have the gang all here for an episode. I think it's been a little while since we've all been together. but no. Glad we could all join. And I think we have some fun topics today. You know, the political drama has subsided enough for a little while that we can actually talk about policy, which excites me very much. And I think it'll be a good episode. So we're going to start off today talking about Joe Biden's immigration plans, then move over to Pompeo getting tough on China, and we're also going to talk about the power-sharing agreement between uh, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer in the Senate. So to jump right into it, we'll talk about Joe Biden's immigration plans. Uh, President-elect Biden is set to take office and become President Biden just in less than 24 hours from the recording of this episode. We're recording this at 9.30 p.m. on uh, January 19th. So this will begin the next Congress, which will include a fully Democratic-controlled government, albeit by the slimmest possible margins. Despite the full plate of issues President Biden will face on day one in office, including impeachment, COVID-19, and the need to confirm his uh, appointees, we know the first issue he will tackle in office, or one of the first of the first of many he will tackle on day one, is immigration. On day one in office, President Biden is expected to unveil his plan to tackle immigration, which is expected to provide a path to citizenship for the 11 million residents in the United States that are currently undocumented. This will also this will be a legislative effort, but there are also executive orders that would be signed into law within the president's first 24 hours in office. Uh, these include an end to construction of the southern border wall, which was very important to President Trump's immig immigration plan, a 100-day freeze on deportations, an extension of DACA for four years, and rescinding the controversial uh, Muslim travel ban that was implemented at the start of President Trump's tenure. Now that we've had a drop in political drama and we can talk about these kinds of things, I want to take the first, you know, a third of this episode to focus on this. I want to hear what we like, what we don't like, and what the odds of some, you know, pretty prominent immigration reform being passed are. And I think I want to start this one off with Luke, since we missed you last week, Luke. Well, where to start, right? Uh, you know, obviously, 
uh, the nation is in need of some pretty serious immigration reform. Um, you know, I, I, that's one of the big things that President Trump actually campaigned on back in 2016, albeit on the complete opposite spectrum of what uh, uh, President-elect Biden is proposing. Um, as far as like this specific, uh, the specific, um, what's the word, uh, the specific policy, uh, I think it's, uh, I think it's largely, I don't know if there's as much originality in it as it is just undoing what Trump did, which seems kind of petty to me, but um, I, I think that there were good parts to uh, President Trump's immigration plan. And I would hope that the Biden administration doesn't like completely scrap everything. I mean, I think there, I think there are definitely bits and pieces which can be salvaged and uh, repurposed for uh, this incoming administration. Okay. Uh, Will, since you're our, our, our left side, I guess, for this uh, debate, what's your opinion? Yeah, I, I don't think that there was a single part of the Trump administration plan that is redeemable, um, at least in terms of what he did with an executive order. Um, and I think that that's kind of a, an important distinction that you already made, Tyler, but it's worth making again, is the difference between legislative, serious legislative reform on immigration, which I don't think there's been a comprehensive bill about since the 1980s. Um, and there's been attempts and patchwork stuff, but nothing huge. Um, so it's made mostly through executive orders. And as far as the Trump administration goes, there was, I would, I would honestly challenge Luke, you to name a single piece of it that you think is redeemable and a good long-term solution, whether it's the overly expensive and demonstrably ineffective border wall, or the, you know, the, the xenophobically biased Muslim ban um, there, there's not really a part of it that I would consider redeemable. And the thing that I like about the Biden plan is, yes, we're rolling back these orders. We're going back to something that makes sense. I think the DACA extension is huge. Um, you know, knowing people that are, uh, recipients of DACA, I mean, that is the fact that they have become these political pawns is pretty disgusting. Um, so that, that's a total positive for me. And then on the front of big legislative action, I think that Biden's plan is sweeping and it is excellent reform because I don't think you just need to focus on, you know, these little issues, these issues that get a lot of media attention like DACA um, in these executive orders, but something meaningful for the nearly 11 million undocumented um, immigrants living in the country, you know, getting them out of this purgatory of knowing whether citizenship would be possible, whether they should expect deportation at any time, they're not allowed to have driver's licenses, you know, their ability to contribute to the economy or use state resources despite paying taxes is a terrible, terrible purgatory to be in. And so I am 100% on board um, with, a, with a good plan that is not ridiculously burdensome to get them a pathway to citizenship because that is so much better than the alternative. Um, I've not heard an alternative proposed that that would be better than the current situation or, you know, some kind of deportation. Um, so, you know, respectfully, Luke, I, I would just want to know like the specific bits and pieces of the Trump plan you would want to keep. Um, but on the whole, I have nothing but endorsement for what Biden's announced. 
Yeah, Luke, what is your what are your uh parts of the drum plan you'd like to keep? Curious. Um, I just I don't know if I have any specific uh any specific uh policies that come sh straight to mind, but I think that one thing that the president was often uh was often chastised for and his rhetoric on the subject was really, really horrible. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh but I do think that taking a harsher stance on immigration in some cases, uh, I feel like that might have been the right thing to do. But that I don't know if that's just me, like the Republican and me talking or uh, or what. I just feel like uh, I think Trump's plan was trying to put a blanket over the problem, if that makes sense. Like he like in terms of like, just like, let's build the wall and like, that'll be it. And I think that obviously the, uh, the, the topic of immigration is super, super nuanced. So I, I appreciate in that, in the Biden plan that it's a little bit more uh, targeted, uh, but so on the whole, uh, go ahead, Nathan. Sorry, I'll, I'll hop in here for a sec. Um, you know, just looking at all the all the Biden plan aspects, I think that it's pretty much going to be um, a continuation of the Obama era uh, policies. There's a lot of, the, I mean, the the um, Department of Homeland Security. Their their hands are tied on a lot of the things, um, a lot of the stuff that that is being used currently. So, you know, every single administration gets criticized for stuff like, you know, family separations, which have you know happened under presidents of both administrations and that's that's uh, a policy that was put in place because you know it's like oh we need to stop uh, child sex trafficking but you know you don't look at the practical aspect of well you are you know separating these these families whenever they really you know are families and so that's that's a big thing and so I think that that'll probably be the lasting impact of, of, of Trump's immigration policy he campaigned on it in 2016 build a wall we didn't get really any wall um, but he, he ruled by executive order um, as far as the immigration thing went. And he had, he had a Republican Congress, um, you know, and uh, the, the, the ringing endorsement of the Republican Party voting him in, voting him through the primary, and he just didn't end up getting it done. Um, and so I, I think that, um, you know, if Biden wants a lasting immigration, um, to lasting immigration to happen, lasting immigration change, I think he's gonna have to run it through Congress. Who knows if that'll get done. But I think that we'll see Joe Biden's uh, plan in the first hundred days. I think we'll see it very quickly come to fruition on whether or not it works or not. Um, I was watching some of the hearings for the, um, uh, the Secretary for the Department of Homeland Security and what uh, many of the senators asked him about was the, you know, this huge migrant caravan that's moving towards uh, our Southern border and, you know, security implications of that, whether or not, um, you know, the Biden's new immigration plan is going to be implemented in that or the, you know, previous Trump plan. And so I think we'll quickly see um, where Biden exactly stands on immigration, whether or not his administration is going to, you know, continue those Obama era policies or cut a new leaf. But I think that we saw um, the Trump administration just work, work pretty ineffectively on a on a promise of getting something through, but never really coming to fruition on it. So, so question there then, Nathan and Luke, I agree that it needs to happen through the legislature in order to be lasting and not undone by whoever might be in office in the future. Um, 
but the, a, the pathway to citizenship, which is the big thing that at least I had seen proposed from Biden um, from these announcements, is something that I understand, you know, even 70% of Republicans support based on some polling I'd seen. It was a part of the um, the bipartisan, the, the Gang of Eight bill, the immigration bill from 2013, you know, that was passed in Congress with something like 20 Republican votes in the Senate with like 20 Republican votes, but then never taken up by Paul Ryan's house. Um, so, I mean, are you, I agree, it needs to happen to the legislature. And I also think that one of the most meaningful things that could happen is a pathway to citizenship. Um, are you on board with that being a priority in the first 100 days? Well, so Will, I mean, a pathway to citizenship is really kind of one of, one of the buzzwords we hear whenever we talk about immigration. So, I mean, if we're talking pathway to citizenship, are you talking you know, a pathway for, for a legal immigrant coming in? Are you talking a pathway for an immigrant who's came here illegally, who's, you know, been living here? Like, for example, a DACA, a DACA kid, are we going to make a pathway of citizenship for them? And I think the GOP talking point, which is pretty much what I agree with, or at least what it was, you know, pre-Trump administration is, uh, you know, you need, to, you need to wait your turn. You need to, you know, res respect the laws we have in place. Um, and if, if you're over here, you know, abide by the rule of law, abide by whatever amnesty you're giving um and i definitely think we should give we should give um preference for any pathway to citizenship to people who already have family over here people who are coming over here for uh quote-unquote skilled labor so you know if you you know you're trying to be a professor you're trying to be a doctor whatever it might be as opposed to you know an, an a labor just a general labor um but you know, I, I think there should be a pathway to citizenship, and I hate that people have to wait in purgatory, but I think that absolutely they need to, you know, abide by the rule of law. Um, I think that there's been a big problem with um, most deportations. Uh, a lot of people, most deportations happen after, and, and this might be old information, but most deportations after, happen after someone breaks a crime or commits a crime, breaks a law. Um, and so not only has someone came here illegally by, you know, crossing the border to living here illegally, but they commit another crime on top of that before they really even get their day in court, get their, you know, their chance to make their case for citizenship or not deportation. And so I agree, Will, I think there needs to be something done. Um, I think the Gang of Eight compromise was definitely a step in the right direction, but it just depends whether or not this Congress is willing to take it up. And I mean, I think there will be, I think you're right about definitely one thing that like, yes, follow the rule of law, but there isn't really one. Um, yes, if you're, you know, an undocumented immigrant and you commit a crime, deport deportation likely happens. But I mean, I think that kind of ignores that that's, I don't even know how small the percentage of cases that is of the amount of undocumented immigrants that are living and working in the United States now um, of those, you know, 10 million plus. And the Biden plan that I'd seen was an eight year pathway to citizenship. You know, this isn't an overnight thing. This is something where you have to work through the immigration system, attain a green card, attain citizenship. It's not an easy process, but you know there is no process right now, and that's the problem. So I mean, I, I think getting the process in place as soon as possible should be a huge priority, and I, I would regard that as a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the points were made here are good. Nathan, I like the point that you made that you know any lasting immigration our uh, rules need to come through legislation because we haven't seen any, you know, actual decent legislation on immigration come for, you know, over 30 years. It's been way too long. It's been an issue that we've, a can we've kicked down the road, uh, one that we've allowed presidents to, you know, handle by executive power. And we haven't taken any major efforts to, you know, 
change it despite the the gang of eight which you know ended up failing which i have my own thoughts about but honestly i'm gonna just come down that i i love biden's plan here and i think if you've been in this country you know you're one of 11 million uh, illegal immigrants uh who are or undocumented immigrants that are that are living here and have been living here you should be given a path to citizenship you know regardless of how it is you got here um, and whether or not you know that was the legal way to get here the thing is you're here now you're paying taxes you're contributing to the american economy contributing to our society and ultimately bringing a benefit for our society and it's i think it's silly to uh make them wait in a what i think is a a very broken uh system of legal immigration where we're making things wait way too long it, it shouldn't take years on years for somebody to become a citizen of the united states if we want to be a, a country that can compete in the in the global market in a time when you know we have massively populated countries like china that are you know starting to have massive economies that are growing and are going to dominate ours sooner than later because of their massive labor force so i guess the way i kind of look at this this policy is through you know the perspective of us needing to grow our population to you know compete on the global stage um, and to be able to compete with these other economic superpowers. And we can only really do that at this point by bringing in uh, more immigrants. So I, I want to know uh, what you guys think about that point. Is, is just this something we should be looking at through, you know, just a, a legal perspective, or should we be trying to compete more at a global level? I'm not sure. Can you, can you rephrase that real quick for us? Because I'm not sure if I get what point you're asking. Yeah, so like, you know, we... America is, of course, a booming economy, but we're also having to compete more with like countries like China, who have massive populations, massive labor forces, and are really able to, you know, put themselves on a path to surpass America by, you know, just having an increasingly bigger, you know, uh, domestic economy. So they are using their massive population to, you know, grow their industries, to do all this stuff. And here in America, you know, we're, we're lagging behind because we don't have, you know, the, the higher as high of a national growth rate. I think, if anything, we need to have a much more liberal policy when it comes to immigration because we need to have more people in to be able to compete on the global, you know, the global market, the global economy. I, I think that's the, the way that I look at the, the issue of immigration and why I'm a pretty big fan of Biden's plan here. Well, Tyler, and here's where I normally sit on this. And, I, you know, I, I think that I think that a lot of our, our more liberal friends, I, I think you guys included, I think that you guys look at it kind of wrong so you know we need we need universal health care we need you know more enforced social security we need you know a, a, a more strong government enforced social safety net but at the same time we we have immigration policies that you know not only allow people in but allow them in illegally sometimes and so i'm just afraid that at at the point that we're going is either we're going to have too many people on our strong social safety net that it's unsustainable. And so not only can, you know, documented citizens or legal citizens, but illegal in undocumented folks also won't be able to reap those benefits of, you know, even, even your local government, which will be overran or um, cases that we see, you know, um, people without healthcare or, you know, in, um, excuse me, in border counties in Texas um, using all, you know, the hospital resources because they just don't have health insurance. Um, so they have to go there for, you know, simple things because they can't be turned away. And so, you know, I think that either either we we stress the importance of personal responsibility and, you know, remove that, remove a little bit more of that that government enforced social safety net, or we lax up on immigration laws or and lax up on immigration laws, or, you know, we I think we tighten down on immigration laws if we're going to expand that social safety net. Um, and I think that that it, it might sound bad, but I think that the most important thing is to take care of um, 
our, our documented folks and our citizens who are have been paying into that not only through sales tax, which immigrants definitely pay sales tax and property tax, but through you know uh, income, social security. And so that's that's where I sit on that, and that's why I would disagree. And I think that um, it's a little bit fallacidical. Um, at least I haven't seen the data on it as to why we would need to ramp up unskilled immigration to compete like on a manufacturing basis. I think it's pretty clear we're a post-industrial economy, a more service industry oriented economy. And I don't know if we can compete with China on that manufacturing scale, like you're saying. So less, you know, less on less on like the point of broader macroeconomics, Nathan, but I, I was finding a study that I looked at, I, a study that I looked at previously just about the question of the 10 million undocumented immigrants. Um, not really looking at you know labor or you know all, all of that a lot of that stuff that Tyler was talking about, um, but I mean it's worth noting that they already do pay tens of billions of dollars in taxes every year, um, but over the over a ten year period, um, simply allowing they already do pay taxes and I I think the narrative that they you know suck on the social safety net without giving anything back is kind of ridiculous because they, they're here, they do pay taxes. The problem is that they're not allowed to or be counted. And if we simply allow them to be counted, allow them to have citizenship, you know, that turns into a, you know, contributions to the economy of $832 billion over a 10 year period and $109 billion in new tax revenue. Um, so it's, I think, I'm just, I think that there is a strong economic argument to be made for the pathway decisions for the 10 million undocumented immigrants in this country, in addition to, you know, the, the moral, ethical, and just human reason for thinking about it. Um, hopefully that helps. We, I mean, I, we, we reached the point to where we're creating a backdoor for citizenship. So, so it's, it's, it's creating a perverse incentive. You're rewarding people who, you know, might come over and, you know, have a child over here who maybe that child will be able to become a citizen and you're you're really just you're you're encouraging a behavior which you know a might not be what's best for the economy and even if it is you're encouraging more people to come over because they know they'll be granted amnesty one day and so i think that you know will if that's if that's the case if we do need to ramp up immigration and it does increase our tax base let's do it let's do it legally let's let's make it easier to become a us citizen let's help people become citizens let's help bring people in yeah but and granting one, mass amnesty to 11 million people who are already living here you know just be, by, by the wave of a wanted even an eight-year plan I, I think that it's it's saying you don't have to follow the rule eat, since you're just here we'll let you in and i don't know if that's the message we want to be sending to future immigrants is that a worse message than we're going to have no policy on the matter for 30 years and you might get deported any day. Like I, I, I'm just struggling to understand. No, no, I, no. I, I don't think so. But I think that that's on our government officials that we haven't held accountable. Guys, I'm gonna and jump I, in here. I'm, if I'm, I'm just gonna jump in here real quick. We, okay. I absolutely love this discussion. I think it's fantastic. And the more that I hear this discussion, the more I realize we should have just dedicated this whole episode to immigration because we've no, been going. I, here's the here's episode. the thing, like. You know, I think this this debate on on immigration is more substantive than any debate we've had in Congress, maybe in like the last decade. 
I just really think not I in two thousand thirteen. I know not in two thousand thirteen, but <laughs> we we just I just think that I agree with Nathan. I think that you know a large part of the problem is that we haven't held people accountable, and so now we're sitting here with this massive problem where we're we're damned if we do, we we're damned if we don't. I mean, amnesty. When you when you talk about amnesty, it's something that that's been done in the past. You know, there you have to get to a point when you've neglected your your immigration policy for so long that you're going to have this large buildup of undocumented uh, citizens in your country. And, you know, the only way you can effectively handle that, you can't deport 11 million people. You can't do that effectively. Um, You just have to say, okay, we're going to give an amnesty one time and then we're going to, you know, put in, you know, stricter rules or more enforceable rules. And, you know, I think the the best way to honestly uh, prevent these, uh, these high numbers of undocumented citizens is just to make it much easier for people to, you know, become a citizen at the border um, in the way that, you know, Ellis Island was a way that people could stop at, you know, uh, way so many years ago and just become a citizen before, you know, coming into the United States. I think we need to get back almost to to that level if we're going to hope to, you know, get to the point where we don't have any undocumented immigrants because you could have the strictest laws possible. You know, we had a very, very strict policy under the Trump administration where, you know, uh, thousands of people were, you know, detained, you know, separation of families, all these things. And you still have people coming in um, from over the border, you know, despite the construction of a border wall, despite, you know, these these strict policies, you're going to have people trying to get into this country uh, for their own reason, whatever that may be, uh, no matter what your laws are. I think you might as well just make it easier for those people to do it so you don't have to worry about the, the legal ramifications of it in the long run. And for the ones that are already here, there is no alternative. There's no just. There's no humane or justifiable alternative. And I, I think bringing up that point, Tyler, that I'd honestly forgotten about and kind of just jostled my memory, was the point about us having done this before. Was the last time that we granted amnesty to a multi-million amount, to more like millions of undocumented immigrants was a period when from 1982 to 1986 when there was not really an immigration policy in place three million there were three million undocumented immigrants in the country and in 1986 in that last piece of legislation that ronald that that last meaningful piece of immigration legislation that we'd been referencing before signed by ronald reagan that granted amnesty to three million undocumented immigrants who had entered the country between 1982 and there's history there's overwhelming public support i think there's a conversation to be had about the bigger issue hey listeners it's tyler so during this part of the episode we had some technical difficulties where the recording stopped uh, unfortunately we didn't realize till it was almost too late so we lost a little bit of the conversation there but not too much so uh just keep in mind that when you come back into this episode um you're going to be hearing will respond to a question from nathan about uh how the u.s can kind of change the dynamic and change the thinking on immigration policy. But right before we get back to that, we have a quick ad from our sponsors. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by the newest poetry novella from author and bipartisan post contributor, G. McCormick, This is a Love Story. In This is a Love Story, readers explore and connect with the bonds of family and religion, as well as the intimacy that comes with a close romantic relationship, all written in beautiful prose. This is a love story can be purchased on lulu.com for $11 and a link to purchase is included in the show notes. You can also find links to follow G. McCormick on social media in the show notes. 
go ahead and get yourself a copy. I grabbed mine and I absolutely cannot put it down. It truly is a wonderful, wonderful novella and I encourage everyone to pick it up. With that, back to the show. Well, I think you have to start by not having the, the attitude of like a militarized border that needs to okay. be defended. I think that's like step one. And I think the notion of like a flood or a caravan of immigration is like pretty destructive. And that I think can definitely get racist. Um, not, I'm not calling you racist. I'm just saying that I think the way that Fox News and people talk about the caravan and use that word in particular can be very racially imbued um so i think you're like you just it needs to be an attitude shift away from oh my gosh immigration is a thing like the, the thing that i fucking hate the most that i've seen some republican politicians talk about it as is like we need to turn off the faucet and get out a mop i've heard people say that have you have you heard that never i've heard never that. heard that that's pretty intense yeah and it's like what the fuck like no this isn't this isn't a matter of just like pure pure economics or quippy analogies like this is tens of millions of people's lives and if we start thinking about them as humans to whom our nation represents their last hope of opportunity how can that not like inspire empathy and the desire to assist and lift up rather than this like xenophobic urge to defend well, and so here's, you know, I agree with that. I, th I think there are a lot of people who are in immigration and support immigration because I, you know, racial biases, you know, because you don't like people of a different color coming in. But I, that's where we reach a problem because, I mean, I, I was, I, I said it, I was watching the Homeland Security um, things and literally it was Mitt Romney and Lankford and maybe Toomey. Maybe it was to me um, who, you know, all referenced, you know, the, the 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 migrant caravan or whatever. And that's the problem we reach because, you know, I don't I definitely don't see that as racist. I don't think that that's, you know, something. But if if we're having a conversation, you know, just trying to have a good hearted conversation and you see it as such, you know, there's such a gap in languages between either either side. You know what I mean? And so I think that you need to reach the point to where we can't even really have a genuine immigration conversation because we're not on the same page. Um, you know what I mean? Whenever, whenever you say, you know, a, a pathway to citizenship, you know, someone who, who might be, you know, more leaning Republican would be like, Oh, so you're just going to let, you know, everybody in, or you're just, you know, you're not going to have any border security. And so I like what you've mentioned about the two prong approach. Cause I, I think that's absolutely what we need, but how do we, you know, how do we have that bipartisanship that coming together if we can tie it all in to have that conversation? We had it. We wrote it in 2013. We wrote it down. 68 senators voted for it, and it was not taken up by the House of Representatives. Here's to hoping we, that we've been our, here before. I think, I think that there is really a good chance for us to get there. Do you guys want to move on to uh, quickly cover the power sharing agreement, and then we can revisit immigration as a full episode? Oh, are we recording still? I turned it on, but I might I might just cut that out. We'll see. Okay, that was wild. I didn't realize we were still I mean, I think we we hit 30 minutes on that. So maybe if you just want to like wrap something up, Tyler. Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. We'll we'll do that. Rather than trying to like just jam in two more topics. 
Yeah, because we basically did hit 30 minutes. It stopped recording after I got kicked out the call, um, but it saved. Oh, uh, and then I started recording, like, right before, uh, y- Will, you went back into it after uh, uh, I got cut off. We are still point. recording, by the way. We are, we are, yes. Uh, which, it's okay, because I can, I can edit this part all out, so don't worry about it. Oh, okay, uh, okay. I'll use, I'll use. I trust the, you, I trust you, don't, don't worry. We'll fix it in post. Oh, yeah, we'll always fix it. Uh, <laughs> we'll just fix it in post, man. Um... Yeah, I can put up. I can put in just like a little outro thing here, and we can, we can chat a little bit more if you guys are still interested. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, dude! Like, I gotta get like my laundry out of this machine. It's just been sitting down there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can go ahead. I can just. I can wrap it up real quick. It's all right. No, I. No, I'll be here until the end. I... Okay. Well, I'll, I'll wrap it up in five, four, three. Okay. Well. Thank you guys very much for uh, an immigration policy episode. I think what we have learned is that when it comes to talking about policy, we can actually dedicate a whole episode to policy, which makes me very happy, actually. Uh, And I think we're going to have a lot of discussions like this uh, over the next few weeks as the Biden administration unveils more policy. And I will be able to have, you know, good conversations like this, because I think immigration is one of those issues where, you know, it's at the, the top of the list, but it seems like nothing ever actually gets done about it. So uh will nathan thank you for uh both representing both sides of the debate really well uh luke you chimed in with some good points and i'd like to think that i did too uh we had a few technical difficulties this this episode but that happens from time to time and for those of you listening i hope you were able to uh enjoy uh with that being said uh thanks for tuning in Uh, make sure to check out the bipartisanpost.com for new articles and we'll see you next week thank you and goodbye (laughs) 